A Ween Podcast with Shane and Rory. Hey, what's up? This is Shane. And this is Rory. And this is Weencast. And we welcome you to a new episode. Yes, good evening, everybody. Welcome to the latest and greatest episode of Weencast. Yeah, what's going on? We're glad that you're here. What's going on, everybody? We are super stoked to bring you this episode because we were able to sit down for a couple of hours and chat with the legendary taper himself, Fred Moore, who has taken care of us over the years. The dude went from taping The Dead and a bunch of other amazing bands back in the 80s and 90s to start taping Ween in the late 90s. And basically, he has always been a real resource for all of us in the Ween community to look to for amazing tapes. And then kind of moved on to helping out with the entire New Hope scene, the Invitational. He does his own show with him and B.I.L. Um, and the guy's just an amazing character and fun guy, and we had just an absolute blast uh, Absolutely. talking to him for a couple of hours, and uh, it was just a great time. Yeah, if you didn't know Fred Moore, you, you do now. <laughs> Real quick, we just want to give a shout out to Eli and his podcast, Cosmic Lion Radio. Um, he did a interview with Fred. The episodes are actually from a couple years ago, but we had gone back and listened to them. And Fred tells some other really great stories on Eli's podcast. So check that out as well. Um, yeah, it's an and, awesome podcast. And also just a real quick thank you from us to a new friend of our show, Cody who hooked us up recently, and uh, we just want to say thank you to Cody. And, uh, yeah. Yeah, Cody, rock on, brother, rock on. (laughs) Thanks, dude. Yeah, so, um, you know, we have an awesome episode coming at you. This is actually going to be a two-parter, so tonight's part one of the Fred Moore interview. Um, You know, just some of the things we kind of talked to him about. Uh, He's a legend in the taper community. Uh, for Ween and everything, so we chatted a lot about uh, taping. Uh, we got to talk to him about his love of the Grateful Dead, um, how he got into Ween, how he became a big taper for Ween. Um, we talk, he talks all about shit about all of his years at John and Peter's. Uh, he uh, actually jammed with Diener a, a couple times, so that's pretty awesome. Yeah, and, he, and he talks about that. And, uh, and, you know, he plays with the Reverend B. Ill, the legend himself, the uh, B. Ill. So um, there's a lot going on. Fred Moore has his hands in a lot of pots in the music, uh, in the music world. And totally. so uh, we, we, really, uh, we really have a chance to dig in really deep uh, with a lot of stuff. And that's why it's a double episode coming at you. Absolutely. One last thing before we get to the interview. Uh, just check us out on Patreon. This episode is going to have a lot of bonus material. Um, Song, full songs, uh, whereas the episode itself is just going to have clips uh, that Fred provided to us from shows that he's taped. Uh, also, some of the conversation that we got into that night uh, wasn't able to fit into the episode. Um, that's how long the conversation was and how awesome it was. But, uh, but some of that conversation is going to be available on Patreon um, if you're uh, interested. So check that out. Um, yeah, so um, 
that's kind of all I got, Shane. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So should we go to the call? Yeah, man, let's do it. Let's do it. Hi, I'm Leah. And I'm Beth Ann. And we're She Will Rock You. She Will Rock You is a bi-weekly podcast about rock history. Each episode, we talk about an artist and their lives, but we do it a little differently. You see, we noticed there was a lack of ladies hosting music podcasts, so we wanted to fix it. And here we are, two badass millennial ladies talking about rock music our parents wouldn't let us listen to. As a bonus, you'll even get our beer recommendations at the end. Find us wherever you listen to podcasts. And remember, don't don't do drugs! Hey everybody listening to Ween Cast Podcast. This is your old pal August Forming here, aka Fred Moore. And I want you all to tune in to my invitational radio show, WINV. It's recorded at the Invitational in New Hope, Pennsylvania. What I do is I select a invitational and I play songs from it. I narrate and tell stories. It's a lot of fun. So please sign up for my YouTube page, which is Fred Moore. And now back to Weencast Podcast. Okay, so we are on the phone with Fred Moore. Thank you so much, Fred, for being here with us. My pleasure. Thanks for having me, guys. Yeah, Fred, thank you so much. It is awesome to have you on. Uh, Fred Moore, a.k.a. August Forming. That's correct. Guilty as charged. (laughs) Awesome. Well, I'm glad we got the right phone number then. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Well, let me start off, uh, Fred. First of all, a quick little... A quick little story, if I if I may. Certainly. I think the first the first time that I I have a distinct memory of seeing you at least, which was the Trade Winds show in Seabright, New Jersey. Oh yeah. In two thousand one. Mm-hmm. And I just remember, you know, I think you were like right behind me. I don't know if you were taping that night or not, oh, yeah. but okay. Well, you. <laughs> Yeah, I don't you not must have tape been a, much. <laughs> <laughs> you must have been like away from or or right in front of your of your your tape rig or or something. But you you were like right behind me, and I just remember just thinking like, who the fuck is that dude? Because you were like way into it, <laughs> like just I, I've never seen somebody like just dance with themselves like you did that night, I, and I don't. I, I don't think I could like describe it. It was just like when you see someone like that, that is just rocking out just by themselves that hard. It's just like, who the fuck is this dude? It was one of those moments, you know? Right, right. I know exactly what you're talking about. And I remember that night really well. And, and I it just the night just kept building. And one of the funniest things, one of the things that kind of fueled my dancing was I had just met my friend Bina and I turned around and I was like, you know, hey, hi, I'm Fred. And she's like, nice to meet you. Right down, a dude puked on her. (laughs) And I was like, and we were just all horrified, like, oh, my God. And she just looked at me and went, eh, just kept dancing. And that just we we were all just like, (laughs) it's that kind of night, you know, (laughs) nothing's going to bring you down. Yeah. (laughs) You know, you get you get brown and dirty. You got to keep rocking and rolling. Yeah, That's man. great. Well, Do you remember a big redhead standing in front of you? <laughs> I, I, you know, man, that I just I don't remember many people standing in front of me. I remember the people in front of me weren't the problem. It was the people behind me, because I was I remember mainly like dancing and dancing and then, but still at the same time being completely aware and c- protecting our gear because it was <laughs> that show was mayhem. 
you know, it's also a crazy coincidence because in our chronological order, the way that we do most of our episodes is we go through shows that we've seen in the past. And the next one on the docket is actually the Tradewind show. Nice. So we just thought that was just a kind of ridiculous coincidence. <laughs> That's funny. That's for the first time that Shane remembers seeing me. Because I, I remember seeing meeting Shane uh, a couple times at John and Peter's in passing. And, and he was, we had some mutual friends. That's awesome. Yeah, totally. I mean, I, you know, it was from like then on that I think I saw you at like every show and like every time there was like a ween spinoff. It's like, oh, there's that dude again. And then I think I finally like, you know, mustered up the courage to be like, who the fuck are you? You know, <laughs> that kind of thing. And so the legend grew over the years, right. you know, who is he's larger than life. Who is this fucking guy? <laughs> <laughs> well, before we before we get too into it, so. Here, here's the deal, Fred. So in, in all seriousness, you know, Rory and I, and on behalf of the entire Ween community, if we can, if we can speak for the entire, you know, Ween fandom community, um, we want to say thank you, brother, in a serious way, because, you know, we've talked about it a few times, and it's like taping is like a thankless task. And I really feel like it's like, Guys like you and 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 the taping community, you know, you're doing like the Lord's work. Thank you. you. I really appreciate that. That means and, a lot. And I, I don't even mean that in like a joking way, honestly, right. because like when I stop and think about it, it's like the chances that you were the one who recorded some of those shows that I listened to, you know, maybe even back on tape and on CD, like throughout the years, and the fact that it's like a you know a guy like you taped that show. Yep. And it's like, we cannot thank you enough, dude. Seriously. Wow, I really appreciate it because, you know, it's funny. It is it is a thankless job, and, and I don't even think about that because once I get home and listen to the recording, I don't care about the thanking. <laughs> you know, I'm just yeah. so happy that I have said recording because that's forever. You know, that's always been yeah. my attitude, you know. Like, that must be captured forever. And I'm the type of person, if I don't record something, and I've been burned by this, like, nah, somebody else will, will get it tonight. Well, I, I, When Ween played the Capitol Theater a couple years ago, I went to all three shows, and the Friday night show, I didn't bring my rig, and I was like, oh, I know that so-and-so is going to be there. Well, so-and-so wasn't there, and guess what? That Friday night Capitol Theater show isn't recorded, and that killed me. Right. There. I, I was just like, the one, that was like one time that I decided to like relax, never lesson learned. <laughs> totally. man. Yeah, dude. It's um, we really appreciate it. You know, I always think, you know, the at Ween's albums are obviously awesome, but um, the, their live performances is really what has made me the Ween fan that I am, you know? So absolutely. And I that, owe part of that to you, man. Absolutely. So you. Oh, you're welcome. Thank you. Thank you for acknowledging that. I mean, that really, means a lot and it's not even like you know i'm out looking looking for that you know what i mean it's just it's kind of a thing i do that i just it's like a, an addiction <laughs> in a way, you know? yeah well, we're definitely going to get to that we um we're hoping to dive deep into some uh taping conversation oh yeah well, you've come to the right place That's well awesome. tell us a tell us a little bit about yourself and just like where you grew up and and you know where you live now and stuff okay well i grew up in chalfont pennsylvania a little, basically at the time was a little farming town, you know, and I lived there until uh, I was about uh, 18 or 19. Then I moved to Philadelphia with some friends, 
and just, you know, moved to a couple different places, but never really moved out of the area. I moved to California for about two months uh, in my heavy Grateful Dead phase and realized uh, nice. it cool. wasn't for me. You know, the California wasn't for me, that my home was here, and I had a, the greatest network of people here, and I just was like, well, wait, why Why am I? I just went there to move, be closer to the Grateful Dead at the time, to be honest <laughs> about it. <laughs> That's not a bad reason. Right, but once I got out there and everybody's like, oh, wow, bro, I'm like, no, nah, this isn't my scene. <laughs> you know a lot of a lot of it just was a different thing like your friends on the east coast or the midwest or anywhere it seems like anywhere else in the country that i've been except for the west coast it's just different out there especially in like the bay area people are a lot more aloof like you can make plans to go to the movies uh, meet me at eight thirty because the movie's at nine o'clock that'll give us time to get in line get some food you know and then the dude shows up at nine fifteen. oh wow bro why are you uptight because it's a movie you know, like, we're not going <laughs> to walk into a movie 15 minutes late, you know, like, what's the matter with you? Like, that that was the kind of thing that really just drove me crazy. And I think, I don't know if that's the entire West Coast, but this was the group that I was hanging out with in the Grateful Dead scene. They were just a little, kind of flaky, you know? Well, and once you grow up with that sort of, like, Philly edge to you. Totally. You know, it's hard to to let that go, you know? Right, and I'm one of the nicer Philly guys. <laughs> where, um, where in Philly were you? I lived in the lower northeast, Frankfurt area, for about nine years. Oh, wow, so you, you were right in it. Yeah, I lived in uh, West Philadelphia, 4517 Spruce Street. I lived there for a couple nice. of years. Um, cool. Right in University City in the 80s, between the years of, like, uh, it was like 86 to 88 something like that then I moved to the west coast and moved back and then moved in with my buddy Peter in 89 I wasn't out there long until I figured out yeah Philly's my place I, I my people and my I habit. love it I'm not I don't live there and I I lived there um, about three years ago is when we moved but we try to get back there as much as we can right so you're in you're up in Bucks County now still right Doylestown yeah yeah Just, I so up... how's that treating you great I mean it's funny I graduated from Central Bucks West so I'm living in the same town my alumni's in and, you know, I've been all over the place and I ended up back here and it's treating me pretty well. I don't live right in Doylestown, but it's funny. I don't hang out in Doylestown. I hang out in New Hope. <laughs> it's, yeah. just, it's just Doylestown. New Hope's kind of the place in Bucks County to hang out. Yeah. And Doylestown's almost like it's, you know, little brother in a way, like the pre yeah. pretentious <laughs> little brother. <laughs> not not quite as cool. Yeah. There's not quite as much cool stuff going on in Doylestown. It's a little bit more, you know, straight laced. Absolutely. Absolutely yeah. it is. Yeah, just definitely not my... I mean, there's some nice places in Doylestown. There's a couple of cool spots, but it seems like I just always end up in New Hope. <laughs> yeah. So we want to... Um, we kind of want to dig deep into taping. Okay. Because um, you, you happen to be a, an expert at that. Um, so we wanted to back it up. Uh, tell, tell, tell us about um, how you got into taping. All right, well... My buddy Peter and I, well, first of, first of all, I, I just started going to Grateful Dead as much as I could. Like, probably, instead of going to the prom, I decided to go see the Dead at Meriwether Post, 1984. It's like, nice. hmm, do I want to take a girl to the prom I could care less about, or do I want to go see Jerry? Hmm. We think about that for half a second and buy the tickets. You know, <laughs> so 
I when I was I remember when I was there that was when 19 like right around that point like I had started getting live dead tapes so I started to like research tapers and checking out where they were and there's and their gear and stuff because I was always kind of a gearhead my uncle got me into recording when I was a kid he gave me an old re a little reel to reel that I used to do my own little radio shows on and you know interview my mom and stuff you know what I mean you know that kind of thing reporter on the street Fred Moore reporter on the street you know <laughs> nice. and uh, I'd like to find those tapes somewhere probably embarrassing embarrassingly funny but <laughs> but um so then like when I when I was uh, at some dead shows I started seeing you know getting these these dead tapes and I started to check out the tapers and then I was like wow looking at their gear and, t and asking questions and stuff and and then they and then I met my buddy Peter, and then the Dead kind of like made a. They never really had a taper section until like around eighty five, eighty six. So, right about that point, they were all all the tapers were in one spot because back in the day they were sort of just random wherever, you know. So you never mm -hmm. knew what kind of recording you were going to get. So once that happened, like right around nineteen ninety, when I saw Crosby, Stills and Nash open for the Dead in Pittsburgh, was my first show recording, and. Um, it was uh, it was awesome. I I, I, I I bought a D6, a Sony D6 off of somebody. And it was funny, when you had a D6 and you went into the taper section at the Dead Show, they'd be like, oh, look at this guy, he's got a D6, he must be a rookie. <laughs> you, know? you were judged completely by your gear. So, you know, and, and that's, as I, as I grew, you know, older and, and had more money and better jobs, I just kept increasing my gear and buying better microphones and you know and then started actually see, you know seeing fish shows seeing dead shows just max creek bands that let you record them i just would go to them and and uh that that was really how it all started and it started with cassette and uh well the reel to reel my uncle bob gave me and then the cassette and then i was one of the first to buy a dat deck a dat deck i used that thing for years and years i have so many dat tapes that are unlabeled because i was going to so many shows and wow. um how many shows would you say you've approximately taped that over I, all the years? I, countless. Like, I would, I would, it has to be, I know this is going to sound lame, it has to be close to the millions. I mean, just, just from the <laughs> local shows, my own stuff, you know, like all the stuff that yeah. I, you know, record, John, and, and then there's the whole, you know, like later came the whole John and Peter's thing for like the last 20 years, you know, so... Mm -hmm. That's a whole other like there wasn't there were there were nights I was there three nights in a row, you know, recording stuff yeah. four nights in a row. So how, how about Ween shows? You got a, an estimate on Ween shows? Ween shows, uh, well, it's interesting. My my Ween, <laughs> my Ween history is kind of interesting. I don't know if I ever told you guys this story. I I had a date with a girl when you know this was like nineteen eighty nine, somewhere in there eighty eight early on and and uh i was like what what can i do to impress this girl she calls me and she, we're trying to figure out what to do and she's like you know there's this band pl called ween playing at john and peter's and i was like aren't they a gay band <laughs> like the name ween and new hope just a, a known gay town at the time you know sure very progressive town and it's pretty awesome and so I just, when, I, when you hear the name Ween, and I was 22 years old in 1988, I was like, hmm, isn't that a gay band? <laughs> so I went to see them, and I, I have to say it was, it was pretty bad. It was just Mickey and Aaron, and they were doing the Dat Machine thing, and, and they were funny, yeah. but musically it really wasn't. I was too much of a hippie, I guess, at the time to really enjoy it, and I, I was like, wow. 
really rough around the edges. Very much so. I mean, you could tell they were they were very funny, and they did costume changes, and it was like it was almost like a novelty act, you know. And <laughs> I, I was kind of like, "What the fuck is this?" <laughs> but I, but there were times where it was like they would. It, there were times where it was just really bad musically, and I remember I remember being like, "Oh my god, this sucks." And and uh, I thought, well, if my if if the girl I'm with is into it, you know, I'll hang I'll hang tough. I looked over and she was wincing, so I leaned over to her and I said, "Hey, Greg Allman's playing at the Tower. If we bolt right now, we could probably make the second set." So we bolted, left Ween, drove to the Tower, and got ended up some between got there between sets and ended up getting front row right in front of Greg Allman, some somebody that didn't pick their tickets up, and they were just like, "Oh, you can just have them." So it wow. turned out to be a really cool, like the night Serendipity. ended really cool, night, but a wild, wild night. But that was my first time seeing Ween. And then the second time seeing them, I didn't see him until 5-12-98 at John and Peter's. And that was where I met, you know, it was Bill Fowler's birthday. That's where I first saw Bill Fowler play. And when I saw those guys like play this just crazy night of amazing music, I'm like, this is not the same band that I saw 10 years ago. And uh, and then they brought this dude, Bill Fowler, up, and they play Stella Blue, one of my all-time favorite Grateful Dead songs. I'm like, who the fuck is this band? And who the fuck <laughs> is this dude? You know? And then they went into a song called Let Me Lick Your Pussy, and I looked at my buddy Peter, and I'm like, this is my new favorite band. <laughs> so, That's so cool. Yeah. I mean, it is... It is amazing just to hear, you know, you talk about, like, the days when it's just, like, the two of them. I mean, and, you know, we don't go back that far in, into the, the history. But, I mean, from watching, like, the old videos and stuff and reading some of, like, the, the interviews where they talk about, like, those early days. I mean, to me, it seems more of, like, a performance art kind of thing. Really. Absolutely. Yeah. You yeah. know, I, I think it's in the... the the uh, the liner notes for uh, at the cat's cradle and Diener says something about we won a lot of people over on our sheer nerve. <laughs> just the I, I think it's from that from that uh, booklet. It's like just the fact that those two dudes got up there and were like, no, we're putting on the show for the next you know hour. It's like, are you fucking crazy? You right. know, <laughs> like right. that kind of thing. You know, and they and they just fucking did it. You know, right? And they would and they had banter and they were just hilarious. You know. Once you realized that you were head over heels for Ween, how did you get into um, taping for them? Like taping so much, like getting into the Ween taping scene. Oh well, you know they they would uh, they back then they would play the John and Peters regularly. It was like I mean at least I want to say at least five times, six times a year, and uh, so I just you know John and Peters, my buddy Pe my buddy Peter was already. Ta had a had that table that I sit at, you know, where he was taping from there. So we were trying different. I just started to like come with him, and was like, "Oh, this is cool." So then, when he wasn't coming, I just started taping, and and I got to know everybody just by being there because I was taping other stuff besides besides just them. You know, I started to get into all the local bands like Chris Hartford and the Band of Changes, Halo. There was a whole group of uh, instant death used to play all the time back then, you know. They and well, then, and it's a lot of the same dudes too, right? right. Because like the exactly. band of changes was really like the Ween guys a lot of the time. Am I right? All most most of the time, like everybody except Aaron and just Chris Harford and, and is all the Ween guys and Chris Harford. Yeah. That, so I mean, if you're there for all of those shows as well, it's you yeah. know, 
oh, Fred is here again. You know what I mean? So, right. like, of course you're going to get to, like, know them and stuff if you're there for all of those shows. All of them. And then, and back then, Gina would come out for jams. You know, like, Mickey would, like, throw together a jam and call it, like, you know, Heroin Ass Pals. Or, uh, you know, they would just make up a name. You know, like, uh, the, the Bow Fuelers. That was one of Bill's bands. They would just have these goofy names they would they would make up with. I can't remember some of the other ones, but that was my favorite one, Heroin Ass Pals. It was like, really, that's the name. <laughs> Tenderloin. Tenderloin was another one. It was basically a, a variations of Jimmy Wilson group. It's really what it was. Right. You know, but like minus, you know, Andrew Weiss wasn't there. So, okay, Andrew's not here, so we'll call it, uh, you know, Rolling the Hay or whatever it was that yeah, night. Yeah, got to call know? it something different. <laughs> right. Got to give it a, slightly, a little bit different name there. Right. So that was always Mickey. He would just come up with whatever, and he'd call everybody, and uh, and then uh, Bill would call me and be like, "Hey, we're playing at the bar," and I'd grab my gear and go. And a lot of wow. times it'd be like there'd be like ten of us there, you know, because it was a wow. last minute thing. A band canceled Tuesday night. Fuck it, I'll sleep later. I don't care. I got to work <laughs> in the morning. I'll sleep when I'm dead. That's you know, like Warren Zevon said it the best. <laughs> nice. So so man, you got to have a pile of tapes and and uh cds and dats and everything where how do you store all this well that's the thing it's like it's just piled up so quick and then i changed formats in the middle of of it so i have stuff i've never touched like i was just going through and looking and i found this reverend b ill in the sinners show from 1102 and, and that had mickey playing drums i remember like when i when i looked at it I, some of the memory of it and it was just i remember everybody was like hung over because it was new year's day you know, and, and p people were just like trickling in and Mickey didn't show up until like the end of the night and he like, or two thirds of the of the sh actually showed up about two thirds of the way through the show, stole the guitar from Bill's rhythm player <laughs> and then played guitar with him for a while, then gave the guitar back to the rhythm player and then played drums for like the last half hour. <laughs> So yeah, there's just there's a million nights like that that are are, are recorded and sitting behind my st my sitting under my basement steps. And one of these days, I'm just going to sit down and go through everything. And there's just so much, you know what I mean? I would I would actually need a team of guys to sit there and label it and digitize everything. It, it's a, re a ridiculous amount of of dat tapes. It's like a life's work. Yeah, it's absolutely, absolutely. Like you, you're talking like I mean. If I was to do it myself and I just did that, I, I, I could probably get it done in about five years because you have to do everything in real time. Wow. Yeah. Crazy, man. Yeah. Yeah. So you would need. So you mentioned. Um, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Fred. No, I was just saying you would need a team. <laughs> you know. Yeah. And, and you, a, yeah. You need a whole crew working that out. And a lot of coffee. <laughs> it's like those guys that are that are like the, you know, the, the, this guy is like the queen, like archive um you know uh, proprietor or whatever his like title is and that's like his job is just to go through like the old like queen tapes or right you know there's uh what's his name joe travers is like the guy who's just like in charge of like the old like zappa tapes and like right. going through all that stuff and it's just like it would just take that guy like the whole rest of his career to just work on those tapes and figure out what's what right absolutely and i mean i label everything but you know, I put the date and who it was and where it was and the source, but that's just on, you know, how like dad tapes used to be like mini VHS tapes. So they just have that 
that little thing that has the stickers on it that you can label. So I would write on the mm -hmm. back in, in Sharpie what it was, throw it inside there, and then just put it in the box, grab a fresh one, and go on my way, you know? <laughs> yeah. So well, shit, how do you keep it? How do you keep all this sorted in your head? I'm wondering, you know, when you're putting out, when you're, when you're, you know, doing music all the time and recording so much, how do you keep it straight? Uh, you know, that's a good question. And people ask me that all the time. And for some reason, if I recorded it, I remember it. it like, I couldn't tell you what I had for lunch today, but I can remember, you know, 1230 which is Ween, mm -hmm. Ween played at John and Peter's that night in a blizzard because they were supposed to play at the Saint and they had to cancel it. So they played at John and Peter's instead. That was the night they played 49 Yeah, there's songs. always a cool story, you know? That's another part of the whole live experience. There's always a cool story somehow. Exactly. And, and, and when, I see the, when I see the date and I see the tape, a lot of times a ton of memories come back. And then once I start listening to it, I remember everything from the night. Wow, that's cool. Yeah, totally. That's part of our process. When we do an episode, we you know go back and we listen to the show a few times. And it absolutely just takes you down memory lane. And suddenly you're remembering things you never thought you could remember. Right, you start remembering awesome. who you were with. What music does. It's funny stories, yeah. like what happened on the ride home. All that stuff comes back to you. This jackass spilled beer on me. Like, whatever it is. You know? <laughs> <laughs> that one happens a lot. I want to get a little bit um, technical. I want to kind of um, ask you about your rig. And obviously, a lot of things have changed, you know, in the last several decades. Well, that's for sure. But... um. But what, like, if you, your, uh, your preferred rig right now, what do you use? Like, what's your rig? Well, I use a uh, Ederol's R44. Uh, it's a four-channel recorder. That's if I'm not taping at John and Peter's. If I'm taping at John and Peter's now, I, I use my laptop and run a multi-track because they have, yeah. they have the, the, the Yamaha TF1 series soundboard. So I have the room all wired so that I can just plug right into that and everything that's Every channel on, you know, like say for every microphone on the stage has its own wave file is the way that works. So it's like, being wow, a, it's cool. like a studio. So, so like the every, you know, the drum, the kick drum, the, Mickey's guitar, Bill's guitar, Joey's guitar, you know, they all have their own channel. So when I go through and mix it down and invite, when I go through and mix down anything now from John and Peter's, everything's labeled with whose channel it is. And it's like a mini studio. You know, when you go in there, because each you can like really like bring the solos up. You can just that's how I get things sounding so fat now. It's not like before it was what it was. Now, now you can actually do something in, after the fact, like like in a recording studio. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. But my, my but for other shows, I use my Ederol's R44. Like when I go on tour with Keith Kenny, this is what I bring. I take two lines out of the board and I run two mics, either put them on the stage or out in the crowd, depending on the room. Yeah, talk about your uh, microphone array. What do you, what what's your um, array of choice? And you know, I understand that that could change depending on the venue and whatnot. Well, my, oh yeah, definitely. Well, my preferred microphone of choice would always be the Sheps MK41s. They're the but they're the nicest microphones, but they're also the, the most expensive. It's like they're about three thousand dollars a piece. Oh but my god! Yeah, those those are the best. I mean, you really can't for any room. You get those hypercardio hypercardioid Shep MK41. 41s are absolutely my favorite microphones. Now, the microphones that I can afford <laughs> are the a AKG 241s. I have a buddy who has a set of Shep 
uh, of ships, so I borrow them a lot, you know, for ween shows and stuff for bigger places. But for like John and Peter's or smaller rooms, I have a set of uh, AKG AKG 421 or 241s that do a mighty fine job. I did the whole Dean Ween group tour, the last tour that they did and, and recorded, you know, in the audience with them and they came out great. Is that like a mid-side array with a hypercardioid as one of them? Was that what you were saying you do? Like you put one... No, these, these are just... Well, these these are uh, these are cardioid microphones. The hypercardioids are the, are the Sheps. They're, gotcha. sem, they're semi-directional. They're kind of like a cone shape, you know? <clears throat> so they're nice. They're just, just... You really can't get a better microphone than that, in my opinion. Other people argue Neumann's better, but, you know, they're both German microphones, so the Germans definitely know their stuff when it comes to that. And so excuse me for being, you know, I, I'm definitely a, a layman when it comes to this kind of stuff. But I mean, like, what's the what's the absolute like basic like rig that you need? You obviously need a microphone and you need something that will record. You know, that's like the deck. Am I right? So you have your microphones that are plugged yeah. into that deck. And is there something else that, you know, you should have or like another other pieces that, you know, you typically use? Well, if, if you're doing like a show like where they allow taping you, you need you need a, you need a mic stand and then you need like a t-bar so that you can have like two microphones on one stand you know i'm sure you've seen them at ween shows where you see it up and guys have things with two mics sticking off of their stand so that's right that's pretty basic like you need that you know and a couple xlr cables and then for a rig you don't have to get a four channel you can just get a two channel tascam like they make a lot of tascam makes a lot of two-channel and four-channel rigs now that are like a hundred bucks that do a fine job imagine some kind of preamp uh well no see the depends um my akgs use phantom power now the sheps you have to have a preamp because um for some reason the germans made them so that they don't work with phantom power with every other microphone in the entire world works with phantom power but you have to have either batteries for this for the sheps which they'll suck through right like you know nine volt right away or if you have a preamp that that takes like you know six or it was eight double a's my buddy has mm -hmm. and um you can you know that that gets it so you can get a really clean signal into your deck and those that you know those batteries will last you maybe two and a half shows you just have to remember to change them. <laughs> That's one of the. Yeah. One of the. I've been burned on that one before, so. <clears throat> Lesson learned. Yeah, absolutely. That's a lot. That's a lot of batteries over the years. That's for sure. Oh my god, I've probably filled a landfill myself just in double A's. <laughs> that giant landfill by the river over in where the hell's that? Um, I forget what town that is, but in Bucks County, I always drive by and there's a giant landfill. Tully Town. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> Lovely Telly Town. I was thinking of getting a summer home yeah. there. <laughs> um, so I want to ask um, you. So you mentioned, you know, kind of, um, you know, if you're allowed to tape at places, talk about um, stealth taping. Okay. Have you had to uh, engage in any stealth taping? So many times, like so many so many times i actually have a, a separate set of microphones just for that which i really don't do a whole lot of stealth taping anymore i i have friends that that i trust that that i know will get will get it done but i i bought this, a pair of these sonic studio microphones about 20 years ago that attach right to your right to a pair of glasses and the wire goes 
behind, you know, you put the wire down behind your back and it just looks like one of those wires that holds your glasses on when you take them off your head. So I had a, I got a, myself a clear set of glasses and just mounted them on there. Bloop, and you just can't talk to anybody because otherwise it's thunderingly loud. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the silent guy, the whole show. Yeah. Got any ridiculous James Bond type stories related to that? Oh God, there's so many times I've had so many close calls. Well, there's one, one really funny story. My, my buddy, uh, Dave, he went to tape Guns N' Roses. This was like 1990 and he had like, I don't know, third or fourth row seats and he was totally stealth tape and James Bond style inside of a like a like a hat he had the hat on his head you know he had the wires and he had a set of sheps inside the hat so he had like the real deal going <clears throat> everything under his coat and then you know right near the end of the show everybody decided to like get up on their chairs because, you know, Axel's like, hey, everybody get up on your chairs and yell for us or whatever, you know. And uh, so everybody's up. So Dave's sitting and suddenly everybody's standing on their chairs. So he's not hearing any music. He's just hearing um, the screaming. So he stands up and he can't get above the people that are around him. So he, he takes his microphones and holds them straight in the air. And Axel spotted him. <laughs> oh no had security throw him out but it didn't matter because it was like the last encore or whatever so we just don't have Damn the last encore asshole. but you can hear the scuffling all right let's go <laughs> i've never really i've never been caught i've always been really lucky i've i've always just either i've had people with me that that you know will keep watch or i've known somebody in the venue that can can just take my deck right in so i've always I've never really had many, many problems with stealth taping myself. And like I said, I really don't do it a whole lot anymore. I'm so busy with other stuff. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. I was just going to say, you know, we, we wanted to get into, you know, kind of like the, uh, the Grateful Dead anyway. But, but before we, we go there, you know, just, to, just out of my own curiosity. So, like, you mentioned the Grateful Dead, you know, taper section. So, like, when that, when that first started, I mean, was it something that uh, I know, like, I don't know if they still do it, but for like fish shows, you have to buy like taper tickets. Mm -hmm. Was that something that the dead had started right off the bat or was it just like you just sort of understood like you have to go to this like section? Well, it's something that the dead started. The dead started that whole taper section thing. That was to that was all them. And fish just mirrored it because why wouldn't they? It's a great model. Right. You right. Know? And, and when you allow taping at your shows, and when, actually the, when I saw Page and Plant, in 1994, they had a taper section. That was awesome. I could not believe that. Oh, no doubt. Yeah, and so I, I, we had heard that ahead of time, but that was a show where if you just showed up with your taping gear, you didn't actually have a tape. There was no tapers ticket per se, but if you showed up with your gear, and that, that was a funny show because we showed up with all our, you know, gear that was like top-notch gear, and there were dudes there with boom boxes holding them above their heads. <laughs> <laughs> it was pretty funny and the sound guy like took notice like wow this is the nicest gear i've seen on the whole tour let me guess you guys are deadheads <laughs> yeah cool guilty. he like he was cool too he gave us the set list like before the show he was like here don't show it to anybody else i was like dude you're awesome 
Thank you. That's great. It was it was great, but it was kind of like looking at your Christmas gifts. You know what I mean? Before you get yeah, them. Yeah. <laughs> you don't want to know. I don't want to know what the set list is going to be. It's, they, it ruins a surprise. Right. And they literally followed it song by song. But it was cool because I still have it, you know? so That's cool. Yeah. That's a cool memento. Was that part of the like acoustic tour, like related to the unplugged thing? Or was that just a regular rock and... Yes, it like was, and they, it redo. was it was absolutely that, and they did a whole tour of That's it. Cool. And they did one show at the Spectrum in '94 and two in '95, and I went to all three. And the that first, but that first night was the best. All, it seemed like all the other nights, Jimmy Page was drunk, so he just wasn't as on his money. But that first show was just <laughs> like it felt like a Zeppelin show. It's when they had the orchestra with them and everything. It was really yeah. good. That's cool. It was really good really good but yeah that but getting back to the grateful dead taper section they started that that whole thing like right around 86 somewhere in there and then at like 87 you could you 85 you could was when you could first buy a tour book like you could go on grateful dead tour and buy a, a whole tour book you just one one price boom and they sent you all the tickets and it was before they had those tickets that were like the fancy tickets these were like ticket tron tickets not ticket master ticket tron <laughs> that's how old I am. So it would be like buying like season tickets to like the Penn State games or something. You just got like the whole season. Exactly. You would get the whole wow. tour. So, and then they changed that. Then they made it so you had to do individual shows because it started to get crazy. And that's when they started the taper ticket thing and the taper section. It all kind of happened at the same time. Because people were taping the Grateful Dead since, for, since day one, but there was never any... It was like you were allowed to do it, but it was sort of like, yeah, as long as we don't see it kind of thing, you know? So once they did that, they were the first band to ever do that. That just opened up the, the door for all these other bands that do it. Well, dude, so speaking of the dead, um, when you were you know younger and you first listened to them, you know, <laughs> what, what is it about it? You know, lay it out for us. Not like we don't know, but I just want to hear. Why the Grateful Dead indeed? <laughs> well <laughs> let's see well when i first started to see concerts the first concert that i ever saw was the grateful dead and i was supposed to see ario speedwagon but i got in trouble like and, and it was probably that would have been my first concert and you know i got in trouble for doing something i wasn't supposed to be and uh so i didn't get to go so my first so the next year i was able to my first concert was the grateful dead and I was so glad that my first concert wasn't REO Speedwagon because I went, it was just, I thought that all concerts were like that where the band takes a break, there's no opening act, you know, everybody sort of just kind of hangs out, dances around in the hallway. Right. And then I went to see Rush and as awesome as Rush was, and at the time I was way more into Rush than I was the Grateful Dead. Right, but, right. But I, I went to see Rush, and I was like, everybody was like very rigid, and went right to their seats, and you went to the, you went into the hallway, and nobody was in the hallway during the show, and I was like, wow, everybody sat down. I'm like, what the hell's going on here? So then I went to, <laughs> I went to another concert, and then another, like my second concert was Blue Oyster Cult and Foghat, and then I went to see Rostin and Collins band, and. 38 special and then i and then i i realized i guess the grateful dead's the band to, to see like none of these right. other concerts are anything like this you got you like know? spoiled totally and it was Love my first, first concert sight. yeah i kept trying to find that again i thought i was thinking geez like this is the coolest thing ever all concerts are like this nope guess again 
<laughs> so well, a few bands jam like the dead you know and it's just like a total vibe and groove and and the shows are you know longer and we're gonna cut away from the interview to bring you a clip from fred's private taping collection this is stella blue appropriately enough since we're discussing the dead right now so this is stella blue by phil and fred and diener at john and peter's uh september 10th 2017 enjoy show a few years back with some friends and with some hipster band i don't even remember the name of the band but there was like two opening acts and then the then the the main act came out for like 30 minutes and then they went home and i'm like what is this that's so lame right i mean what is that that i can't even be warmed up myself in 30 minutes like how that's insane (laughs) to me like after 30 minutes i jeez that's crazy and that was the other thing with the grateful dead they played longer and then you know i had heard their records but seeing them was a whole other ball game i was like this is way more rocking than than uh listening to the you know working man's dead or skeletons from the closet or or any of their other stuff like i had never heard any of their live stuff when i first saw them and then when i saw them live i was like oh my god this is completely different and then all the other bands sounded exactly like they do on the record so that was another thing that was like totally wow these guys really are different live like they, they they take the songs and do something else with them you know that's what really what really got me with the grateful dead and and then all the other stuff that came along with it and then the, then finding out oh wow you can get live tapes of this like what you know that was unheard of back then you got a bootleg of something it sounded crappy <laughs> so, you know if it's a special show sometimes that doesn't matter though the quality as long as you have that tape exactly like exactly you know and i i had gotten some I had gotten some uh, some tapes of like yes 
from 72 and it was they were so hissy but i loved them you know <laughs> it was like it was the only thing that i had at the time just whenever i got like my first dead tape was like from like the capitol theater 71 my first live dead tape and it was super hissy and it was like a fifth gen but i played i played it wore the shit out of that thing you know i had to get another one <laughs> i love yes also i mean especially from back in in you know, that like heyday of yes. I mean, oh, unreal. Absolutely. Well, there was nothing else like that. There were another band that were experimenting with music and and taking it to places that it's rock music's never really been before. It was more orchestral and, and right. you know, very, very planned out, even though they did jam. You know, they, they, they would find places. They didn't really improv on their records, but when you saw them live, they would play pretty much the same set every night, but the, the jams in the middle of the songs would be totally different, you know? Right. Well, how many how many dead shows overall did, would you say that you made it to? One hundred and ninety four. Oh, you know the number exactly. Oh yeah. Wow. <laughs> and Insane I, man. I saw Jerry Garcia band fifty six times. Wow. Nice. I mean, you know, obviously we've been doing a little bit of of preparation, you know, getting ready to talk to you, and I was saying to Rory, like, um. You know, because both of us are a little too young to have seen them with Jerry when, right. you know, when he was still alive. And, and it's almost like, you know, the original Grateful Dead with Jerry Garcia is almost getting to be like a legend. I mean, like, you know, when you said the Grateful Dead in 1984 at Meriwether Post Pavilion, it's like, oh, my God, like that. That's just that sentence. Right. is just like unbelievable. Right. To right. me. It's, it's like, mystical. I can't even imagine of something so amazing. <laughs> well, that's kind you of know, like, and it makes yeah. it come alive too. You know, it's like Garcia has been gone for a while, but mm-hmm. the live music makes it come alive. Absolutely. And, and, and it's just, and now like with the technology, like they're pumping out like some of that old stuff and redoing it in HD CD. And it just sounds so great. Like, even if you've had it, I still end up buying it anyway. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I'm like, Oh, it sounds better. I got to have it. <laughs> yeah totally well you know it's like with fish fish was kind of the same way where i saw fish at club benet with five people back in 1992 and, and oh, it was man. it was basically me and my buddy peter big phil and a couple other of us and n- nobody showed up and i don't know if you know about club benet it was this back in the 90s and early and late 80s it was this club that was owned by the mafia. It was so obvious that it was a place to launder money because they would have bands play there and it was a dinner club and it would like, they'd have these big bands play and there'd be no, hardly anybody there, you know, like the, and the dinner was really, you know, the dinner was like big steak dinner. Like it really didn't fit for a rock and roll club, but they'd have these big rock acts play there. And when fish played there, we were all just like, are we in the right place? Like, are we going to get killed? You know, like this guy at the door is really scary. But once we got in, it was, you know, and that was during that, like when in Fish's heyday and we were like, yeah, why don't you play Colonel Forbin? And Trey was like, okay. So anything we called out, they played. So, you know, again, like, and to me, like that was at the time, it was just like, these guys are cool, but they're not the dead. You know what I mean? (laughs) Well, I mean, I think that, you know, the comparison between those two it's apples bands. and oranges. I mean, 
Right. I mean, you right. know, it, it's just one of those things that I think people who don't know enough about either one of the bands will just throw out there because it's it, it like they think it's easy. And it's like, well, obviously, you just don't know enough about either the dead or fish. Right. To exactly. say that they're like the same. You right. know, they're, they're the only thing that's really the same about them is this is the idea behind them. You know, right. They, they both come from the, and they and fish was when I saw fit. The first time I saw fish was by accident. I was in um, at, in Vermont visiting a friend, and we went to Nectar's, and they, he was like, hey, have you ever been to Nectar's? And I'm like, no, I've never even heard of it. And he's like, they have the best gravy fries. I said, okay, that sounds good. So we went there, and this band was playing, and I was like, hey, this, this band's pretty good. You know, they were playing, like, some weird songs, and then suddenly they went into Scarlet Pagonias, and I'm like, oh, that's cool. You know, these guys are pretty good. And so we're eating our gravy fries, and and we're talking and not really paying attention. And all of a sudden they go into, you know, instead of doing Scarlet Fire, they do Scarlet Begonias into Let Me Stand Next to Your Fire by Jimi Hendrix. And I was like, whoa, got my attention. You know what I mean? Like, that's <laughs> cool. That, and I, I actually forgot about that until recently. My friend Lee was like, dude, you saw Fish with me and Nectars in 87. Remember when we went to visit? I was like, oh, my God. That's right. I did. I forgot. <laughs> So, wow. Yeah. So so fast forward a little bit. Did you um did you hear Roses Are Free live from Fish first or Ween first? I heard Ween's version first, actually. Okay. Yeah, I had <laughs> like uh, live, like live though, not from the album. Uh, no, the album. I heard the album, and then oh, okay, okay. And I gotcha. never saw Ween. Ween didn't really play it live then. Fit, and then when Fish started yeah. playing it live, they were kind of like, well, we're gonna show them how to play it the right way. <laughs> Right. That's actually what yes. when the first the first time I saw them play it, Aaron actually said that this next song goes out to fish, and Mickey was like, "Yeah, this is how you're supposed to play it." <laughs> <laughs> Tell it like it is. Yep. Yep. Yeah. The, yeah. The, this is how it just you know both bands do a fine job with it. You know, but you can't oh, beat oh, of the course, original. Of course. <laughs> no. <laughs> oh, that's good. Um, yeah, so, uh, you know, obviously, you know, taping's a big part of your uh, musical identity, but you wear a lot of hats. Oh, and yeah. so you also play music, mm-hmm. and so we definitely want to talk about that as well. So uh, I don't know where exactly we want to start with this whole kind of conversation, but I know, you know, right now you do Bill and Fred's with the Reverend B. Ill. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know if you want to talk about that and what – and. Uh, how it's like working with B. Ill and how you guys met and uh, collaborating with him and things like that. Sure. Well, I, we told that story about how we met with the, the, the Jimmy Wilson group show. Again, you know, dovetailing into your, into yeah, your show. Yeah. And, you know, is it always, I swear it's always someone's birthday. Was it actually B. Ill's birthday that night or was it, was they, were they just saying that? <laughs> no, no, they were just saying, I'd like to wish a very happy birthday to Jimmy Wilson. Like it was, no, they just do that. Yeah. Like, cause everybody no, on funny. stage is Jimmy Wilson. <laughs> oh, and also to answer your question, Glenn definitely was at that show. I, I sat right behind him. So nice. Yeah. He was definitely there. And, uh, that was, that was, a, Oh yes. Awesome. That was good a great, call. really, really good night. Um, cause that's when I was listening to the show. I was like going, yeah, yeah, he was there. <laughs> <laughs> but um, cool. um, yeah. So Bill and I actually we met we met uh, the first the first time we met was briefly at, at uh, Irving Plaza when Urchin opened for Ween, um, whatever year that was two thousand I guess. 
And then that that Jimmy Wilson group show was where we really started to talk. And then, and then you know, I started to every band I went to see. It seemed like he was sitting in with. <laughs> so it's like, hey man. So then we just got <laughs> to talking, and then we got to talking that hey wait we talk about dead shows or this show or rare shows like he would bring up like Al Damiola, you know, at, in in Philly like at this tiny little bar, and I was like, dude, I was there. Like, stuff like that, you know, like, where we were at, like, so many of the same shows in the 80s and 90s, but we didn't know each other. So we, we got to become really good friends that way, just talking about, like, various shows. And it just seemed like at the time, for the longest time, any show either one of us would bring up, the other one would say, dude, I was there. <laughs> yeah, so you always have something to talk about because you just, you know, we'll we'll be talking about old shows that you just happen to be at the, you know, at the same show together. Right. And, and, you know, so then Bill, Bill and I exchanged numbers and then one day he called me and, you know, I, when he called me, I was kind of like, yeah, what's up, man? You know, like, do you, I kind of was like, do you need something? And he's like, no, man, I think you're a cool guy. I just want to talk to you. Let's hang out. I was like, oh, uh, uh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> caught me off guard. Like, you know, rock star wants to hang out. So then, so then I, he, I invited him to come see us play Spittoon. And this was back you know, 2000 or something. And, and he, he came one night and, and then he came another show and then he called me and he was like kind of hinting around, like he wanted to sit in. And I was like, this is our 4th of July show, July 4th, 2001 or 2002. I can't, I think it was 2001. It was before nine 11. And Bill was kind of hinting around at sitting in. And I was like, dude, do you want to sit in? And he was like, I would love to. I'm like, bring your gear. I'll see you at the bar. So then I called everybody in the band was like we're gonna be having a special guest tonight you guys and everybody was completely new who bill was you know so i didn't tell them <laughs> so we got there and bill was the first bill already had his his uh, mesa boogie you know that giant mesa that he plays with um urchin set up on the stage and I just on this never forget the look of our on our banjo player's face when he showed up <laughs> he was always he was always telling us to turn down turn down and he saw that amp it just was really funny Speaking of the Reverend B. Ill, we're going to cut away to uh, play you a little bit from Bill and Fred, uh, Fred's Basement Bunker, uh, Facebook Live. Um, tired of it. Uh, this is a Fred Moore original. I was walking down the street, saw a fine lady I'd like to meet. I said, hey, baby, like what I see? Question is, do you like me? Well, she looked me up, looked me down. First saw a smile, then a frown. Said, I cannot make up my mind. I said, damn girl, here's my line. I said, you like me, take me. Don't you leave me, ha! Tired of it. Like me, take me. Don't leave me, that's all. Tired of it. So tired, so tired. Thank you. 
anyway, <laughs> th- that particular night, uh, the entire everybody from Ween came out, and they brought their wives and everything. It was just a really cool night, and we had like bottles of moonshine that we had gotten from me and my buddy Mike had gone to West Virginia to go to Terra Alta to see like the all good festival or something. And this guy was selling moonshine. So we bought a couple of jars of moonshine. So we just halfway through our show, we just started passing it out to the crowd. <laughs> just Everybody in the place was drinking it. It was, it was just a good old, a good old night. And basically um, after that, Bill just never left. <laughs> nice. <laughs> that's great man yeah. yeah so it's just it's just one of those things you know like he just sits in and never leaves so i and i couldn't be happier for it that concludes part one of our interview with fred moore i uh, hope you had as much fun as we did yeah totally let us know what you think if you have any comments or questions or if you have a fred story we'd love to hear it hit us up on all the social medias and uh Yeah, stay tuned for the stunning conclusion. Coming soon. Yes, and uh, thanks for listening, and everyone have a great night.